Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to resource the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. How's it going, Marshall? I'm doing really good. It's a little chilly this week. Uh, we're, we're a little bit uh, colder than uh, than is seasonal, but I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm all right. So so we've last week we talked to, we told people that there is actually a radio room at Memorial, and uh, that is true. We love having this radio room, uh, but this room is not what you would call insulated. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so to use the technical term. Yeah. And so uh when when we when we gathered we bundle up. Yeah. That's Bundled right. up, we got a uh, winter hats, winter yep. coats on. Wool uh, socks. But key. but all is good so long as the uh, computer doesn't freeze over. That's right. Uh we're going to be just fine. Uh so we are in our second week of the read through the Bible in a year, this chronological reading that we're working through, and we are finishing up the back half of Job this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Job, Job is a book that is often misunderstood, um, and and a lot of people will I- entirely just skip it. It seems like yeah, uh, but because there is there is a lot to be misunderstood inside of it, or or people will use it wrongly. So what we hope to do today is we hope to help you understand not just the back half uh, of what's going on in Job, because our, our purpose as a podcast is in, in 2020 to be leading the church through a chronological reading of God's Word. If you go to inandthrough.org, you can find that reading plan. Uh, but we're working to bring people through that reading plan and in a way that sort of forecasts, this is what you're going to be reading this week and, and help you establish some framework around that. Uh, and, and we want to do that not just for the second half of, of Job today, but we want to do that in what is essentially going to be a, a casting of the entire theme of Job. Yeah. Right? So so let's talk about what the theme of Job is. Hmm. So we sat down in the office and we put together some ideas on uh, on what it is that the theme of Job is and, and how that relates to our understanding of the theme. Uh, and, and these are the ideas that we came up with. Uh, the theme of retribution. Right, yeah. So yeah. Retribution the, is a theme? Yeah, the idea that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Yeah, is a, is a key theme of, uh, of the book of Job. Also, just the idea of justice, right? Like, is God just? Right, because it only makes... Retribution is a just idea. That makes sense to us, right? right? Totally. And, and so this is this is the theme that the, the three friends and, and Job are working with throughout the book. Uh, there's also the theme of righteousness. Not mm-hmm. only the righteousness of... God, but the righteousness of man. What does it mean for God to be right and for man to be right? Is right. man right, and and how does that play into retribution and justice? So mm-hmm. the righteousness of God and man, mm-hmm. uh, and then ultimately, and, and I would say, I would say not till the very end, but sovereignty becomes uh, a, a major theme inside of the discussion of the Book of Job. Oh, yeah. uh, throughout the book, retribution, justice, righteousness of God and man are common themes, but it's not until sovereignty. It's not until the very end that sovereignty comes into play, and yeah. really, it's it's God who introduces that into the end of the of the book, right? Yeah, which means we should probably pay close attention to it, right? <laughs> right. He he comes in and says, "Hey, just something you might not have considered, boys." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I run this show, um, right? Yeah. Which, which is kind of funny. This is another theme that that runs through uh, the book a little bit and, and shows up at the end, and it's it's one of the reasons why I love Job. Um, and I'm sure it has something to do with the fallen nature of mankind, uh, but there's there's something about it, and and it might not even just be mankind. It might be 
particularly the fallen nature of men in general. Mm. Uh, I know whenever I see those videos of people hurting themselves because they're doing things that they ought not be doing, right. I, I find those videos appealing. My wife doesn't. <laughs> right. um, she says, why do you think it's funny that those people hurt themselves? They shouldn't be doing those things. And I'm, right. I don't know. I don't know why I find it's funny. Uh, but one of the reasons I love Job is there is something inside of this theme that is man being put in his place yeah. by the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All these guys that have these great ideas and uh, they wax eloquently uh, at least to themselves mm-hmm. uh, and in their own opinion. And they have all the wisdom of man. Yeah. That they want to contribute to each other. They like to call each other out for their arrogance and what it is that the other has to say. Uh, they, they, like you said last week, they mock each other with sarcasm. Oh, surely all wisdom will die with you. <laughs> uh, and, and they have this nice little uh, feast on each other of, uh, of this, is, this is my wisdom versus your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then are put in their place by the sovereignty of God. So these are the these are the major themes that we've seen inside of this, but there's one key one missing here that I think that most people are going to say, whoa, 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 when I think of Job, this is the only thing I think of, yeah. and this seems to be the main theme of Job, uh, but it, but it's not. We, it's not even made our list of the major themes of Job, yeah. and what is that, Marshall? That is the theme of suffering. Now, certainly there is some suffering that happens, right? That the, Job's suffering is kind of what drives the plot along, but... Suffering isn't really one of the key themes uh, in the book of Job. I, I was reading through um, a book on Job. It's, it's actually called How to Read Job by a guy named Tremper Longman. And uh, he has something kind of insightful to say with this whole idea of the book of Job and suffering. So he wrote, The book of Job is disturbing to many readers because it does not answer the question of human suffering. Certainly Job suffers deeply in the book, And many people who deal with the pain of life find themselves attracted to the book of Job. But the book of Job is not about suffering. If we want to find out why there is suffering in the world and pain in our lives, the book of Job is not going to answer those questions. And uh, you know what, Tim, I'm inclined to agree with him. Yeah, because the whole the whole time, the question being asked over and over again, the question that Job asks is, why is this happening to me? Because I've been righteous. Right. Why did I suffer? Yeah. The friends coming along saying, you must not have been righteous. What have you done to bring about this suffering? And the question all along is, why? Everyone yeah. is trying to answer the question of why, and no yeah. one likes how the other is approaching the question of why. Right. And then God comes in and speaks, which is what we've been anticipating all along. Good. God is going to come in here, and he's going to speak, and he's going to tell us why. And he says... Nothing. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> he essentially says, you, you're asking the wrong question. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. Yeah, these, 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 these men have been arguing over this whole idea of, you know, the age-old question of, you know, why do good things or why do bad things happen to good people, right? And or, the flip of that, why do good things happen to bad people? Sure, yeah. Right, because yeah. spend, he spends a whole time saying things like, they're, you know, they're, they're bulls uh, go out and, and the calves are born and there's right. no, there's no problem for them, right? Their children dance and they laugh and they mm-hmm, sing and, mm-hmm. and they, these people seem to have no issues at all. Uh, but yeah. what about me? Yeah, exactly. Well, so there's, there's kind of these different ideas that are kind of constantly being held in tension, right? Uh, there, there's, there's the idea that, okay, God is just, right? God must order the universe according to his justice. And, and Job is constantly kind of defending and maintaining his righteousness, and there's also this idea of retribution, right? That good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. And so essentially what Job does is Job, on the basis of this whole retribution principle, is criticizing and questioning God. 
the friends, they're in turn, they're criticizing Job, saying that, well, because this is true, retribution is true, and because God is just, you must have done something wrong to deserve this, right? But the book itself, it's actually a critique on that whole retribution principle. Like, it's 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 not even, it's not, like, Job and the friends, neither one of them are even going anywhere close to the right direction with this whole conversation. Right, and that's why last week we said that Job is one of those books you can read and you get to the end and you realize that a good majority of what you read was likely heresy yeah. and not true about God. Um, and, and that it is it is still authoritative scripture because it mm. is true that these things were spoken of God. That's the mm. recording of the history of it is true. Right. But they're not theologically sound. This is the Bible recording people with false understandings of God mm-hmm. so that we can understand not only what our right understandings, but what false understandings look like. Yeah. And, yeah. and the main theme around that is, is this is what man's projection of justice and righteousness and retribution look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he doesn't get it. Yeah. Exactly. Because he only sees part of the picture. Yeah. And, and that's why when, when we say you, you read Job and you have to be careful about it and you have to be careful about citations of Job, is sometimes people are going to go through and they're going to say, hey, man, I, I read this in Job and it just really encouraged me. Mm-hmm. But it might be that we're being encouraged by something that our hearts would also cling to that is a human understanding of God and not a divinely revealed truth about God. Yeah, yeah, that's the danger. I mean, like these friends of Job, their their view of God, you know, might be partially true in some areas, but it's also corrupted. And I think I, you know, I can see in myself even a lot of the same mistakes, this the same erroneous ways of thinking kind of creep into my own mind, my own heart, right? Basing my my expectation of how God operates on experiences or on my own kind of rational system of thinking or whatever it might be, right? And these guys, they fall into that trap of trying to um, determine how God must operate uh, based on a, a very limited understanding of who he is. Yeah. And so, it, you know, the book, you mentioned the book, How to Read Job. When One of the things that we press on really heavily at Memorial is we press on the idea of reading things in their context, right? right? Not just taking a, a word or a verse or, or anything like that outside of uh, where it was written. If, it, if, the, if the passage you're wanting to use doesn't still make sense inside of the context, then you're misusing it. Right. And so you want to use context, and sometimes we'll talk about the context of the, the paragraph or the context mm-hmm. of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think in Job, when we want to read Job correctly inside of its context, we're not talking about chapters. We're talking about the entire book is the context. Oh, yeah. You, you have to go from beginning to end, and that is the context of Job. It's sit down and read it all at once kind of a context, and that's the only way you're really going to understand the fullness of what's taking place. Mm-hmm. And if you try to pull even a chapter out of it, you're going to end up with uh, with someone giving a speech that is not divinely inspired. Yeah. Actually, I think that's one of the the advantages to, to doing the reading through Job kind of in the format that we're doing is we're going through the whole thing in a relatively short period of time. And hopefully uh, people will be able to get a better perspective on everything that's going on in the book of Job start to finish. Uh, because, yeah, that is really the best way to evaluate this book, not in kind of, you know, cherry picking life verses, you know, with your highlighter um, in, in, the, in the, the book. 
Yeah, so that's the forest. That's the big picture view yeah. of uh, what the book is about. Now let's break it down into some of the trees. What are some of the elements that people can be looking for as they read this week uh, through the second half of Job that they can be looking to say, okay, these are the kinds of things that are adding up to create this big picture. These are, the, these are those moments or events taking place inside where we can see all of this adding up into um, uh, this, these bigger picture themes that we've already discussed. Hmm. One of the one of the moments inside of the the passage that really uh, stands out for me is in in Job twenty three. All right, so in Job twenty three, he Job is responding to yet another one of the speeches from his friends, uh, and in uh, in in verse one, he says this: "Today also my complaint is bitter; my hand is heavy on account of my groaning." Oh, that I knew where I might find him, him being God, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him. I will fill my mouth with arguments. I will know uh, what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There, an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. <laughs> this is Job speaking quite confidently of himself. Yeah, he's pretty bold. He's, he? he's, he's, quite, he's quite sure of his own righteousness. <laughs> he is. He really is. And, and you know, I, I, think, I hear that, and, and this is the first thing that steps, this comes into my mind, right? So he's saying, if only I could see a vision of him, step into his presence, even approach his seat, the mm. throne. And I think, where else has a man approached the throne of God? Well, you know, it happens to Isaiah. And Isaiah has a completely different take on it. Right. Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the glory. Mm. And I am dead. Yeah. I am dead. I am undone, right? Because in the presence of God, he understands the holiness, the true holiness of a righteous and sovereign God. And he understands in that presence the lowliness of sinful man. Job doesn't get that. Yeah, no. No, no, no. Job Job looks at it in his perspective, this this retribution concept that he has of himself, that, that good things ought to happen to good people, and that mm. if God is just, he would understand that. He mixes up this righteousness of God and man, and he lowers God and elevates man in such a way that he says, I would go to God and I would let him know where he fell short, and he would look to me and he would say, my bad. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I don't think Job really knows you know, what it is that he is asking for here. I think uh, he, he might be uh, mistaken about uh, his own, his, the level of his own righteousness before God, because um, as we all know, uh, to stand in the presence of a holy God in an unclean state is, is, not, a, is not a good position to be in. Right. So, so what happens, right? So Job, Job says, if only I could talk to him. And, and then he even asked the question. I love the way the question is worded. Would he contend with me? <laughs> would, would he get into a debate with me? Oh, Surely, once I presented my case, God would just look to me and say, well, what else do I have to say? What can I offer? You, you're right. I'm sorry. 
I, I'll let me fix things. But the interesting thing is Job does get a chance to talk to God. He does. And God does come out, and he does that in, in 38. And, and mm-hmm. here's whatever, we're an ESV church. That's what we kind of uh, use on Sundays and, and push for. I know the NIV has uh, gone through a change in 2011. If you want to read Job at its best, you have to have a, an 84 NIV uh, because this is how it's worded there. Uh, chapter 38, when the Lord speaks to Job, Then the Lord answered Job out of a storm, and he said, Who is it that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Mm. And then he starts asking all these questions. Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. And so he, he questions him all about these celestial things, these establishment of the earth kind of things that obviously Job doesn't understand and has no take on. And right. so he does that for two chapters. He just mm. gives this verbal beatdown of Job, of Job, do you understand Job? Did you make Job? Do you have any idea what is going on with? And then in verse 40, the Lord says to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty mm. correct him? Right. So here we have it flipped. Right. Job says, would he contend with me? Mm-hmm. Would he correct me? Mm-hmm. If I made my case before him, surely right. he would avenge me. Because in saying that, what he's saying really is, because he is in the wrong, mm. and he will not contend with me. Right. And now God makes the statement, rather than allowing Job to speak to him, mm-hmm. God speaks to him, and he says, Job, would you contend with me? Would you correct me? Mm. And Job has a plan. Yeah. Job told us, this, this is how humanity has not changed. Mm. Like We don't know when Job was written, probably some peer of Abraham or, or mm. just before. Right. But this, it's such like a man to go to his buddies and say, well, if I had a chance, this is what I'd do. Right. And he had a plan. He knew what he was going to do. And he got his opportunity, and Job answered, I'm unworthy. Mm. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. But I will say no more. And God doesn't take that and say, thank you, Job. Thanks. That was the right answer. No. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Mm. And then he goes on for another two chapters. Reminding Job how exactly inadequate he is to contend with God, to call God out and to say, I know what God does, why he does it. And in fact, I can go beyond that and I can tell you what God should be up to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, and I, I love how he just he has he has nothing to say. I mean, he's 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 begged for this opportunity to kind of plead his case. And as soon as he gets that chance, he just shuts right up. And it's, uh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, in, in debate, in debate, there's the tactic called the steamroller tactic, right? Where right. you just present information on top of information on top of information in such a way that just sort of eventually overwhelms your opponent and they just can't respond. Right. This is the ultimate steamroller. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. God just comes in and he just says, Job, I got a couple basic questions for you. Yeah. Where were you when anything ever happened? Right. How much control do you have over this? And what do you know about anything? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Job says, you're right. I was dumb. (laughs) I'm finished. Yeah. And God says, 
cool. Yeah. I'm not finished, but I'm glad you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I uh, One of the things that, that stands out to me a little bit is this idea of trying to control God. You know, at one point, Job actually um, kind of challenges God to kind of strike him down in the moment, almost as a test of whether or not, you know, God is justified in in you know, allowing him to suffer so far. And it's this whole, whole kind of this, this thing, this game that Job is playing in his own head, trying to kind of force God's hand to act. Um, and then what I love is when, when God um, continues in kind of round two of his, you know, um, just pummeling of Job that, that he, that he, uh, that he starts talking about Leviathan. Right. And, and he says, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? Right. And then later says, can you put a rope in his nose or, or do you later on, would you put him on a leash for your girls? Right. And, and what God is essentially saying, like, look, this, this beast, like you, you could never control the beast this way. So what makes you think you could control me that way? Right. Well, what makes you think that anything you do or say is going to force my hand one way or another? And uh, I think that was just that's that's very kind of refreshing because I know sometimes, you know, even in, 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 in our own minds, sometimes we think as though, you know, if we do A, then God must do B for us, whatever, whatever that might be. And uh, that's a, that's a seriously problematic way of trying to relate to God. Um, it really undermines God's sovereignty, right? He is not his, his action isn't contingent upon human action or or. Um, even obedience, right? Like he, he's not, he's not obligated to act um, because of what we do. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter in that if you believe that the description there of Leviathan is a description of the uh, ancient Near Eastern uh, creature that, that represented chaos uh, mm. coming from the sea who was uh, named Leviathan, or if you believe it to be an actual creature, right? It right. still makes sense to say that this thing cannot be controlled by you, and I am God above all things. Why would you yeah. think that you can control and manipulate exactly. me by your good and bad deeds? Uh, that's that's uh, that's that's amazing. Uh, my highlight for the week uh, is this. I One of my highlights is I, I got a couple new Bibles because that's what I needed were more Bibles. Um, and, and this one that I have here is uh, the Story of Redemption Bible by Crossway. It's it's a great, this is what I would say. I would say it's a reader's Bible, mm. right? It's designed to help you read through the books of the Bible. Uh, even has its own reading plans in the back. Um, but but inside of this, there's this there's this great transition at the point of Elihu. Mm. Uh, and so normally I would have said my my highlight for Job is the way that God calls out Job at the end because it's just absolutely next level version of epic. Right. Uh, but but this this intertextual statement right here uh, in the the story of redemption Bible really stood out to me. I thought it was fantastic. So after the story uh, brings the three friends and Job back and forth and back and forth, all of a sudden this mystery man, mm. Elihu, comes into the scene. Yeah. Uh, this fourth friend, and, and he walks in, and, and this is the way it's summed up here. Uh, it says, Into the anticipation of God's response strides Elihu, burning with righteous indignation. His arrival is a bit of a letdown, as it is designed to be. It heightens the reader's desire to hear from God and not another human. Although Elihu distances himself from both Job and the other three friends, what he says does not bring much new ground. Mm. After a lengthy introduction of himself in the rest of chapter 32, 
He asserts that suffering is a form of discipline in chapter 33, that God is just in chapter 34, and that Job should have cried out to God instead of complaining about his plan in chapter 35. Elihu then repeats these themes in the last two chapters, 36 and 37. So here this guy has just sort of walked into the room after everyone else is having the conversation. He's the guy that just sort of strolls in and says, hey, I don't know what you guys have been talking about, but I know the answer. And, and he spends a whole chapter introducing himself. And then he goes on for five chapters about who he is and what his wisdom is. Mm. And so we have this other person who comes into the conversation who's doing exactly what everyone else in the conversation has been doing, trusting in their own wisdom that they are far and above everything else. And, and then the, the note says this, as we read Elihu's speech, we, shouldn't, uh, we should pay special attention to how sure Elihu seems to be of his own wisdom. It is instructive that when God does finally speak in chapter 38, he ignores Elihu altogether. It's as if he'd never spoken. And that's fantastic. <laughs> I, there is something inside of Elihu's speech there at the end of 37 where he starts talking about things uh, of, that God is going to later say. He mm. says, would you really ask to stand before God? Would you really count yourself righteous before God? And he asks a couple of questions about the creative order and, and Job, do you even understand these things that God has done? Right. So he does have a good segue into the person of God, but that this guy comes in late on the scene, drops five chapters of his own wisdom, and then when he's done, God speaks to Job, who hasn't spoken since chapter 31, yeah. and just completely ignores Elihu. Yeah. The guy walks in, he makes a statement, drops the mic, walks out, and everyone in the room is just like, okay, so now that that's over with, we can get back to the business <laughs> at hand. We can get back to what we were doing. Uh, that's a great take on Elihu. Yeah. I really appreciated that. That's great. Yeah. No, I think the the, the major highlight for me I think was just kind of came with the reading of Job as a whole this time through. It's a, it's a book that I've been through, uh, you know, a few times before. Um, and, and in particular, I've been through it in the midst of kind of this time of struggle and suffering. Um, thinking that in it, I would find an answer to the reason behind my situation. Um, and although, um, you know, the book of Job doesn't really give us an answer as to the why, I think it still can... Um, what I realized for the first time, I think, is it it gives us a better answer as to the the how, right? Like we don't have to uh, be able to philosophically understand the orderings of the world sometimes, particularly when it comes to you know this whole idea of of of, of righteous people suffering and unrighteous people prospering or, or whatever whatever it might be. You know, we just need to learn that we can trust God. That God is sovereign over the universe. He has laid the foundations of the earth. And so if I'm going through hardship in my life, you know, I, I need to trust in the God who, who is over and above it all and not try to kind of look and see, oh, well, you know, what, what was it? What was it that I did that caused this, this terrible thing to happen? Um, you know, cause not every situation is a result of moral action. And sometimes we just have to trust in the sovereign and, uh, will of God. That's, that's really what we have to do. So for me, that was, that was the highlight. I just, I feel like I, I'm starting to understand what Job is all about now. Yeah, you know, I, I liken this to to Peter, uh, in in that 
the friend Job and his friends and Peter share this thing that we share. We we are very excited when we read the end of the story and we find out that God creates a kingdom that is eternal and it is perfect and it involves us. And mm. that's a very exciting thing. And we can be all about the plan of God and we can be all about the person of God. But the details of how he goes about bringing that plan into action are not always happy plans for us. Yeah. And there we can find a little bit of pushback and we can say, like Peter did, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, this is not man's wisdom. This is wisdom from my father and all that sort of thing. And then he says, and by the way, the way this is going to come about is that I'm going to die on the cross. And Peter says, no, 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 no. No good. No good. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to find ourselves in a, in a place where we can say, I will only accept the plan of God if it comes about in a certain way. Right. I will, un- I will accept the plan and the person of God so long as the way that plan goes about, the means to that end are in agreement with me. But instead, to be able to say, you know what, God is good, God is sovereign, and God is holy, and God will do what God is going to do. And that includes that promise in the end, that we will be joined with him in his kingdom. Amen. And the means to that end are not up to me. The means to that end are up to him. And however he chooses to glorify himself through me, Mm. let it be so. Yeah. So I want to encourage you as you read through uh, Job this week to just take an opportunity to look and see the ups and the downs, the the rights and the wrongs, the the traps that the friends and Job fall into. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in that? Where do you hear maybe uh, sometimes the people around you and trying to rationalize good and evil and, and the person of God in that? And then take a moment to just be humbled alongside Job and understanding that we oftentimes love to speak about things that we don't understand. Yeah. And instead, we should just be a people of faith, mm-hmm. a people who say, I will understand what God has revealed to me. Yeah. I will cling to that, and I will understand that it is precious revelation of God. Mm-hmm. But there will be times when I have to say, I don't know, but God does, and I trust him. Yeah, 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 that's perfect. Yeah. This podcast is uh, produced by Alex Walker and brought to you by Memorial Baptist Church. I uh, thank you for listening. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. See you next week. Bye.